right. What's up, my Area 51 Raiders? What's up, my Nestle Boycotters? Welcome back to Time is a Flat Circle. A look at how humans keep getting it wrong. I'm your host, and I know it's been a while. Hashtag stained. Uh, Joseph, the youngest, and I'm here with my three very good friends that I sometimes call brothers, one of them being my actual brother. Throwing it over to Adrian in Dallas. Yep, in Dallas, at least for this week. Good to be back. It's been a while since I've even seen y'all's faces. So uh, it's nice. Glad we got to spend some time, Andre, over the weekend. Hopefully you remember some of it because there was a lot of alcohol. <laughs> With that, I'll throw it to Hondo. Hey, what's up, guys? It has been a minute. Haven't really been up to much. Just learning how to run with my hands behind my shoulders. A lot harder than what it looks like on the animes, but uh, I think I'm making some progress. <laughs> Outside of that, can't really say I've been up to much. Just looking forward to getting back on this podcast. Uh, so without further ado, I will shoot it over to Andre. It's me, the self-named brand man who will speak anything and then it will show up on your Facebook ads after that. Pretty good here in Houston. And we had uh, some pretty good weather lately. I was at the beach recently, which we're not going to talk about. And uh, I'll throw it back to <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> well, you can't just set me up like that and expect me not to ask what happened at that beach, Andre. Uh, nothing. Dude, it's a relaxing day, but... Uh, <laughs> I only got a couple hours in and the rain rolled in. So like I had to drive back. Oh yeah. That sounds terrible. Um, I was expecting to hear something about clubbing seals or something. I was actually going to stop at uh, a place that we all know and love, even though we've never been, which is uh tight end. <laughs> should have, should have made the stop. Also, I should clarify. I'm like four beers and four shots of Jameson in thanks to twin peaks. Hashtag sponsor this podcast. <laughs> what, what, but what shorts are you wearing, Andre? Which shorts? Oh, these are definitely my Chubby's Lounge shorts. Uh, these particular ones have like multicolored dinosaurs on them. So there's a T Rex and like a Triceratops. Uh, I don't know what this thing is on my dick, but it looks pretty good. <laughs> Uh, how long would we have to do this to, to get some sponsorships? Like how many times would we have to just make an entire show centered around brand names and saying them as, as many times as possible? Just like, yeah, well, uh, Amazon, I was on Amazon the other day and Amazon recommended that I should get the Amazon echo. <laughs> Amazon. Yeah, I'm into it. Um, I think it kind of plays into what we want to talk about today because we have seen a lot of things happen recently in the modern uh, entertainment and sports world where people are treated more as brands than human beings. And I think it kind of goes both ways because you see some athletes that are treating themselves more as a brand than a human being uh, the same way that the fans are. Um, I think the thing that we all have noticed is how crazy this past off season has already been for the National Basketball Association. Um, I want to get into the archetype of the modern American athlete, um, specifically with regards to basketball because of how much insane money these athletes make, but also because I think it ties into uh, just the general trend of the culture being a little bit more angled and uh, leaning towards not really being a human being in front of anyone that you uh, don't actually care about. With that, let's get into it. 
what do y'all think about the modern American athlete right now and what it's changing into or what it has been in the past uh, and what those differences might be going into the future? Uh, so I'll add my two cents real quick and just say that I think that there's been a, a switch from kind of like the, the warrior mentality where like you're doing things for, um, and I'm speaking strictly about NBA right now. Cause I, I feel like, uh, there's different mentalities for different sports, but it, a warrior mentality where you're, you're, there's valor in, um, helping the team get to victory. Um, and you're, you're part of something greater than yourself. Um, and I'd say that there's, uh, been a shift from that to kind of like a mercenary where like you're in it for the money. Um, you're in it for the short term and you're off to the, the next battle or the next best, uh, paycheck, um, and where, whatever battle that, that paycheck aims you at. Um, it's not so much, um, I'd say even for yourself, uh, kind of like to the, the point of the brand, uh, you, now you're, you're kind of like, a just aiming to keep that reputation by, by going, um, for the biggest reward and the biggest paycheck driven to a legacy. So I will yeah. say, Adrian, you said like moving on to the next thing after that, like what happens when you win the war? I mean, we we saw that with Kawhi, right? Like, uh, you win the war and you, uh, go on to the next biggest paycheck. Uh, I think one thing that could be said about the modern athlete today is, um, it kind of makes more sense. I mean, it, it's justified that that mentality definitely makes more sense than being drafted somewhere that you didn't grow up to a team that you may not have loved before you were on it and being expected to um, be an avatar for an entire group of people that you didn't grow up around and uh, a kind of identity that isn't yours. I mean, imagine being drafted to um the Lakers as someone that grew up in San Antonio, that would be the worst, uh, but you'd still be getting paid tons of money. So you're kind of expected to, uh, to love it. And now there's more of a onus on the uh, player to do what's best for them instead of what is right for the business uh, kind of plays into the whole gladiator mentality that I think uh, a lot of people have. And the reason stuff like football is changing uh, to be driven as more of a safety uh, aspect uh, of the game. And I mean, essentially why LeBron James decided to play basketball over football. Um, you can't build a brand with a, a helmet on your head um, and you can't stay in a league for 15 plus years if you get hit too many times in the head. So it makes sense. I mean, I get it. I, I think probably the right decision for a lot of these athletes uh, is to take that agency and do whatever it takes to get that money. Just you mentioned the Avatar. Are we talking Last Airbender <laughs> or Legend of Korra? Uh, I'd say Legend of Korra because they have that that weird bending match uh, set up with that old timey radio host. Love those scenes. If there's something to be said about athletes today versus athletes back when uh, it's that there's more to it than just playing the game because of the fact that you can create an entire legacy. I mean, look at some of the things that some of the 
most recent stars have done uh, in terms of just business decisions and business sense. Um, LeBron could never play another game in his life and still be fine. Doesn't he own like 60 franchises of that Blaze Pizza joint? Yeah, yeah I haven't had that, but I heard it's really good. <laughs> You know, he owns restaurants. He owns his own movie production company. I think Space Jam 2 is coming out next year. Um, I hope it doesn't, but I think uh, it's currently being written out. Um, Yeah, I think the biggest thing we're noticing is that I feel like it's almost an assertion of power where in all sports right now, it's there used to be this mantra of like the owner or the league were the people in power. And then the players were kind of had to adhere to whatever the demands of the leagues were. Um, I think players are starting to realize with the rise of social media and with the rise of marketing, with the rise of their own, with the rise in the understanding of their own self value, it's becoming a fight for power in the sense that the players know that the leagues can't exist without them. And I think you're seeing it function in several different ways throughout several different leagues. I think the NBA is kind of the forefront in the leading of this understanding because they're working with the NBA players and they're like, Hey, we know y'all are the ones making us money. So y'all tell us more or less how y'all want this to run. They've explored shortening the season. They've explored uh, rest periods and they've explored kind of giving the freedom to the players to do what they think was best for the league. Um, Conversely to that, you say, I mean, the NBA is at an all-time high in terms of revenue and market share. Conversely, with the NFL, the league is still very much in a mindset of like the owners are the ones in power. The owners are the ones that are telling the players what to do. And you're seeing a lot of that backlash in social media. And you're seeing while the value of the teams themselves are at an all-time high, viewership is actually declining in the NFL. And viewership is actually declining in the MLB as well in my opinion, because those owners have that concept of power and the players are while being in the process of recognizing their own power, they have yet to fully claim it the way that the players in the NBA do. Is it still just an entertainment thing? Like, are we living in a world now where the escapism has to be so uh, intense that you really do put more into the games you're watching uh, because real life is just so batshit crazy. Well, so this is my hot take. Like I think professional sports are getting closer and closer to what the WWE has been doing for 20 years now. Yeah, they, they were definitely on the, uh, on the cutting edge of sports entertainment. Sports entertainment. Yeah. That was always the rocks phrase, right? I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that social media is so um, accessible to these star athletes. Like you can just have direct contact with fans, which is amazing. But also you can throw ridiculous amounts of really awkward shade at other players that just creates this soap opera style drama. Um, I mean, we did see Carl Malone get into that ring. Uh for that one match. And uh, I think we're kind of seeing that play out uh, in terms of NBA Twitter and the talking heads that just shit on people because it's funny or because it gets, gets likes. And it won to add to that. I think the, like the, the shift has happened because there's all these other factors coming into play, right? Like now you have, um, this always on platform that you can interact with fan your your fan bases directly. Um, you you don't have to go through PR or press conferences or, or whatever. Like you can just be on Twitter and have that inter- interaction that 
before there was no way you could ever connect with that many uh, fans. And then on top of that, I feel like you, you now have, or, or there's now because of this, I don't know, place we are in our society, like a reputation is actually something that can be capitalized on, right? Like it, um, it's as much a means of production, a means of getting value um, as like your actual athletic talent. Um, and there's people uh, in the NBA that probably make as much money off of, I mean, I mean LeBron's a, a perfect example, right? Like he probably makes more money off of his brand than he does playing the actual game. Um, <clears throat> And I'm sure that there's there's people that are at lower rungs that do that on a smaller scale, right? Like the, the game is almost uh, an enabler to the the bigger machine that is like their entire brand. Um, someone like the uh, Lonzo Ball or like the whole Ball family, right? Like uh, I, I don't know that their uh, their meal ticket per se is basketball. I think that was like the entry into um, the sphere that they needed to have their meal ticket, like the whole family. I mean, I feel like it's not out of the realm of possibility for there to actually be a Lonzo Kardashian sex tape sometime soon. It'd be a Jenner. I'm really waiting for the show that's keeping up with the balls. No, no, no. It'd be hanging with the balls. Hey, you with the balls. <laughs> no, it's, it is kind of crazy that um, there, there are so many, um, I guess, celebrity outlets to being an athlete in this day and age. I mean, uh, we're obviously seeing Space Jam uh, being rebooted. We're seeing LeBron in random other movies that... He's a good actor, by the way. Like, he's a legit good actor. Yeah, you ever seen him claim that he got fouled? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's it's one of those things like uh, I mean Blake Griffin has been in movies. Um, not not a good actor. Boban, I mean Bo Boban was in John Wick three. Amazing. Boban was in the remake of uh, Rocky three, right? That's what, he's the big Russian. But stuff like that, it, 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 I think it was kind of a uh, a joke at first, like when the first athletes kind of had that about to um, jump into creating their own brand. It was like, okay, let's, let's give it to them because they are the star. Um, but like what I would say, Joseph, though, is you're mentioning a lot of basketball players. We don't see that same type of media acceptance with basketball or with baseball and football players. So it makes me wonder what exactly basketball is doing differently or how they're able to penetrate the other markets at a level that the other markets, which theoretically they're bigger, right? Like their payrolls are higher, their uh, revenues higher. Like how are they able to do more with less essentially? I mean, I'd say the, the two things off the top of my head that I can think of are actual talent level. I feel like you have to be way better at playing the game of basketball to be a professional basketball player than you do to be a professional football player or a professional baseball player, just because of the sheer numbers of how many people are on a football team and how many people are on a baseball team and how much you can specialize. (laughs) This just goes back to Adrian's fat pitcher theory, right? Yeah. I mean, that that's really why the MLB is a, 
is losing viewership. I mean, you got 300 pound pitchers. I hate fat baseball players. Like, <laughs> uh, I think the other thing besides the talent level or just the athleticism that's required, um, it, it kind of does take that. Um, I think it also is tradition. There's tradition that is um, kind of just all over the games of both football and baseball. Um, and there's a little bit of tradition in the, the NBA as well, but I, I don't think it's um, taboo to break tradition in the NBA the way it is with football and baseball. I mean, people are still getting called out for bat flipping um, in baseball. There's a lot of unwritten rules. There's a lot of, um, I don't know, almost like uh, old boysmanship in, in the game of baseball that, that doesn't exist in, in basketball. Um, I don't know. I mean, Steph Curry was getting all kinds of shit for breaking basketball for being able to be that good at three pointers. Like, I feel like there is a, yeah, there is a sense of like, oh, it should be played a certain way. Um, in any, any sport, and I don't think basketball is uh, immune to it, or at least the NBA isn't immune to it. I don't think it's immune to it. I think it just deals with it a little bit quicker. Like stuff gets over with faster. And I mean, it, it's very easy to to say to, to see that idea come out of the gate when Steph was just on his rise, but now you see the team that is around him and losing. Uh, Durant and losing Clay for probably most of the season. Um, if he were to just dominate in any form or fashion, he'd be a lock for MVP and he would immediately be considered one of the best of all time. Even if he just shot threes, there wouldn't be anyone that'd be like, Oh, but he's just shooting threes. It'd be like, okay, yeah, that's the legitimate way to win games. Now it, it flipped so quickly. I mean, you couldn't do that with, with, something like football. I mean, when was the last time there was a, a truly uh, dynamic switch in the way the game is played? You just have Brady out there doing normal football things much better than anyone else. I would, so I may, in the way that you're making that sound when it comes to changing the game, maybe I guess in my mind, you're kind of hitting on a subtle point there where basketball is different than the other two sports. And the reason why I, I, I'm inclined to believe that is number one, it's a shorter game, right? The average basketball game is like an hour and a half, two hours long. The average football game I think is uh, two and a half plus, And then baseball is, can be in excess of three hours. I think basketball is that perfect mix of like, it captures your attention for a long enough time to where you don't get tired of it, but it also doesn't really stop. You know, like once the ball's in play, it never really, like there's constant back and forth, there's constant movement. And I think that matches today's, mentality of give me something to watch now whereas baseball and football there's pauses there's stops there's shifts like there's it's a stop and go type of game and that's not necessarily conducive to watching on tv or watching as much as basketball is where it's there's a constant motion and there's always something to be looking at i think a lot of it though kind of translates um maybe not culturally but uh, in a global way in terms of the similarity between something like soccer and basketball um, those two games kind of have the same amount of star players that everyone knows. Um, anything that's a, a team sport obviously is going to be uh, harder to stake out a claim or stake out um, your 
identity within that entire sport. But you, you've got guys in, in the game of soccer. Uh, I mean, you've got Messi, you've got um, so many players that just kind of transcend the sport and are household names, even if you don't follow that sport. I mean, you've got... Joseph, you've got I feel like you've been uh, monologuing for a while. Well, cut in. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have anything. I just I passed out on my desk there. <laughs> <laughs> we just haven't heard from Joseph in so long, Andre. We just I know I was enjoying it. I was like, oh man, Joseph input. Like I'm excited. Uh, like he's back. We haven't heard from him in months. It feels like. Well, I, I guess what I what I really want to well, the thing I want to like get everyone talking about is is this where athletes have been heading for a long time is this the identity that athletes have been wanting uh, or is this the the environment that we've created for the modern athlete i, I think both I, I'd, I'd say um and maybe the reason why the nba has been so quick to kind of uh be the vanguard of what what this new breed of athlete looks like is because the kids that are and I, i'm saying kids because i'm an old ass dude um, but the kids that are entering the league now and the ones that have been entering the league since I was 20 um, all grew up idolizing Michael Jordan, right? So, like, he was bigger than the game. He was uh, more charismatic. And they all wanted to be him, right? And then after him, you have Kobe. And it, and it's the, the same I mean, the same formula. Like, they're um, bigger than the game. So, like, if you if you have these people that you're modeling yourself after um, it, it doesn't take that big a leap of faith to understand like, Hey, like if you have a league filled with people trying to be MJ, you're going to have a lot of big personalities. Um, I don't know that in the eighties, early nineties, um, any other sports really had that one, that one guy that just dominated not just on the court, on the field, but um, in the entire like stratosphere of anything that the league touched. I mean, I think the closest thing that you get is a uh, modern day, maybe, maybe Tiger Woods. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that uh, I, Venus and Serena. Yeah. Well, Serena. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that they, they transcended and came up. I just don't know that they like they came in. A, Michael Jordan is like a. I, I don't know what to call it, like a once in a lifetime situation because it was a per- perfect. He's he's an anomaly. Yeah, it was a perfect set of events because back in the 80s and 90s. And this is like one of the things I feel like is um, interesting about like how we grew up. Um, it was like the last couple years of there being like a monoculture like like everyone was keyed into the same um information like when you when you think about game of thrones uh and game of thrones in terms of like it was one of like the highest rated shows of its time um but it if you look at like the nielsen ratings of that versus like the nielsen ratings of some stupid shit like family matters on tgif uh you'll realize wow, there's not this monolithic culture where everyone's watching Game of Thrones because uh, if you really want to look back, like everyone was watching Urkel, you know? Like, 
So is it, would you say that Michael Jordan being the kind of uh, progenitor to that new athlete is something that is the reason why you've got athletes now kind of not content with the whole shut up and play ball aspect of you're just there for our entertainment. You're just there to, to, to be on the court and, and dribble and shoot. Um, you're not supposed to speak up. You're not supposed to talk on what you feel about what's going on in the world. Now it's almost like, well, and not only that, but I, I'd also say that's generational, right? I think like all, like everyone, um, regardless of race, creed, class, color, um, you know, of our generation. Um, and I think I'm pretty close to LeBron's age. Um, that, that's how we were brought up, you know, like your, your ideas, your thoughts, your voice mean something. Uh, it'd be dumb to not, to not speak up, especially when you're given a platform. That's a, a missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, I would argue in a generation. It's a. I would argue with Adrian too. It's a generational thing. Your parent, our parents, were taught to shut up and do your job. We were taught, hey, you're a special flower that has a right to do something, uh, to do whatever they want, you know. And I think that reflects. And it's not necessarily the players themselves, but I think it's a reflection of the people who watch the game. And you hear a lot more about why aren't they using their platform as an opportunity or why aren't they using that platform that they have as an opportunity. And you kind of see that reflected where if you constantly hear that, the player then is like, well, why am I not using this as a platform? Um, Russell Westbrook is a good example of that. Uh, Andre, I know he's your favorite player. Um, but he, sandwich looking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> But he uses his media, he uses his social media, and then he uses his fame, for lack of a better term, um, to establish himself as like a fashion icon. That's why he always wears all those weird fucked up clothes every time he walks wait, into the... Wait, 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 wait. He calls himself a fashion icon? No, but other people see him as a fashion icon. Okay, do those people live in Oklahoma? Because then their opinions don't matter. I base all my style choices on what he's wearing. I've seen your wardrobe. No, you don't. <laughs> So I would, I would say, uh, is something like the Spurs, the last remnant of what the sports culture used to be like, because no way we're talking, we're talking outspoken. No, no, no. But, but I, I get that part of it, but there's a cultural identity that comes with being a spur. Like every time someone is drafted by the Spurs, they're like, Oh, it's going to be some sneaky European pick uh, that no one ever saw coming. There's that whole idea that like you have to fit with the Spurs culture, like the the stoicism that was obviously just kind of, uh, I don't know, part and parcel of what Tim Duncan brought to the game uh, that just turned into Spurs culture. And now you say thing or you hear people say things like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a real good fit for the Spurs. Or wouldn't he be a good fit for the Spurs? As much as I love Timmy, I don't think it started with him. I think it started with Robinson and it was the military culture and the city that brought about that stoicism, as you called it. But like just going in doing your job and leaving, like not pounding your chest and yelling about it. And I'd say like the off the court uh, culture that's there isn't so much a shut up and do your job. It's more of a um, be a good man first before you go talking about how other people should be a good man. You know, like, and, and that a person of good character. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's something that you can see, like even the kids um, that are on the Spurs now. Um, I don't know if it's like one of those things where it's just like you, you start drinking the Kool-Aid 
um, of the way everyone thinks in there and like you, so like you assimilate and end up with that mindset or if they actually like try and instill that mindset. Um, but you see people like, uh, Dewante Murray and, and, um, Walker, uh, that are, Wait, is Walker Sand how it's pronounced? I think so. Dejounte, Dejounte, my bad, my bad. Dejounte Murray, Dejounte, <laughs> Dejounte, like the mustard man. You fucking Mexican. Yeah, I'm so I like him. I'm gonna call him Dejounte from now on. Dejounte, very good. God damn it! But yeah, like a, uh, um, I feel like that's something that they've they've taken up that mantle um happily, right? Like they they want to be um pillars of their communities and. They realize that 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 doesn't mean being the loudest one. That means being the one that everyone can rely on. And uh, if anything, it's something that I I, I think it's should be uh, more loud lauded. So yeah. Can I can I ask a question though? Could 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 you make the argument that it's more of a reflection of the city? Like San Antonio people, I I feel like in general we're kind of like, hey, fuck you. I'm from Texas. I kind of know I'm better than you, so I feel like I don't necessarily have to express it. And you kind of see that reflection like in our teams, whereas you have places like New York and L.A. When you ask them, it's like, well, why do y'all why should we respect y'all? And their response is, well, because we're New York or L.A. Like, I feel like the mantras of the teams are kind of reflected of the cities they represent. Are they or is it the other way around? Do you just rely on the app like that? Like I said before, the avatar of the team. Uh, to project what you want your identity to be? Um, do you just use that as like Memphis grit and grind? The, does that reflect the players that were on that team or does it reflect the culture of the city or are they completely separate from each other and just happen to coincidentally be somewhat similar? Yeah, to your point, I think it's something that it's it establishes within the players, but I think it's something that it has to be accepted by the city that rep- they represent, right? Like you had, um, cause it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't exist anymore. Green grind is done, but now what is the identity of the Memphis basketball team? Is that still the identity of Memphis, the city? And will that just kind of permeate through the basketball organization? Or I have a client who owns part of the Memphis Grizzlies and I can ask him if you want. Yeah. Ask him, but I'm sure he would like, I'm sure he would say that that's the it's the city. It's 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 not it's not the team. It's the city because you you want it. You want it to be that that way. It makes sense because Memphis would be that blue collar city, right? I mean, does it or was it just the basketball team that made you think that? Been Memphis it's, twice, and I'll tell you, instead of getting barbecue, I ate at a Benihana and then at a ramen place the second time. And I was very disappointed that I didn't get barbecue. Yeah, that was a bad decision, dude. What were you doing? Yeah, seriously. A Benihana. No, um, so I will say this, like one of the thing, I guess one of the teams that comes to mind that bucks that, um, thought is Dirk Nowitzki's, um, championship Dallas Mavericks. Ooh, get, get out of here, Dallas. Ooh. Cause that was like a, a boring, um, like hardworking, put your head down, kind of just do what you got to do and lean on on greatness in terms of Dirk type of team. Like that was a personality. And when you look at Dallas, like the Cowboys, I think really, really um, lean into what that Dallas personality would be. And it's kind of like the, the Texas version of like the Showtime Lakers, right? Like it's like big hats, big hair. Yeah. The Cowboys thought that they're the epitome of the NFL and nobody knows why. And everyone outside of them disagreed. And I would kind of argue that. What's up? Oh, no, it's, a, it's America's team. It is America's team. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, what I'm saying is there's there's kind of like no sense of validation for it. I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm a Texans fan. So are I see are you a communist? He, he's against America if he's against America's team. Jesus Christ, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying they're America's team. I agree with that. What I'm saying is over the last 20 years, they really haven't done anything to warrant it. And I was I'm just going to say that like, you can't prove Troy Aikman isn't Captain America. Have you ever seen him in the same room together? <laughs> Have you ever seen Troy Aikman and Jay-Z in the same room together? No, but that's beside the point. No, um, I probably have, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to try to bash on Dallas and say they think they're the shit and they have no basis for thinking that. I say that as a San Antonian, so that's all I was trying to get at. <laughs> I think I think a couple of rings would disagree with you, Hondo. Oh! Yeah, the ca- for the Mavericks? <laughs> Wait, no, for the Cowboys. I was trying to equate it to what you were saying about the Mavericks. I was saying the Mavericks thought they were all big shit, but they hadn't done anything. And Dallas people in general think that they're the shit of Texas. And everyone outside of Dallas seems to disagree with that. I I do want to state that, uh, Adrian, I can't see the Texas Rangers after being blinded by the 2017 Houston Astros uh, World Series championship ring. (laughs) (laughs) That's I, I think it's a it's that's another thing that's I guess what comes out of that what comes out of like uh, stuff just most recently that I can think of is um, I guess responses to disasters from teams and what that's supposed to do or why that's important to um, the culture of uh, I guess an identity that you take from the place you live Uh, Houston strong, obviously one of the craziest things. I mean, uh, (laughs) what is it? How can you not be romantic about baseball? Um, But Stuff like that, I think, maybe feeds into that identity. But is that something that is a foregone conclusion? Or is it no longer going to be with the new style of athlete that Adrian was describing earlier as like the mercenary? Because you look at Russell Westbrook, and he was a huge part of recovery efforts after multiple tornadoes came through OKC, um, did a lot for the community, uh, just to, I guess, bring their spirits up, if not anything else. Um, couldn't win him a championship, but it's one of those things where you kind of have to say goodbye to that stuff. Like, is it really going to exist? Well, but I don't think we do. I mean, I think all of those those top-line players that do that, I'm not going to talk about Russell Westbrook, but everybody else in the league uh, and <laughs> other sports uh, steps up to the plate when that happens, if you'll forgive my sports metaphor. Um, and I think that's not, it's not necessarily something they're getting away from. It's something that adds to the persona of who they are. Well, and I'd also say like, I, all these guys, like I, they're mercenaries, but like a, when you're a mercenary, you, you throw up the flag of who's ever it's paying you, you know, like, it's not like you're just in it for yourself. Like you're, you're fighting for something. Well, and I would also argue in the case of Russell Westbrook though, it wasn't, I don't think he's doing the mercenary attitude. I think he actually made the mistake of being too loyal to the team. And they use that as an opportunity of, okay, well, we're going to get you Paul George, but since we traded away Paul George and you have a really lucrative contract, we're going to use you and him to get a shit ton of draft picks. And we're going to send you off to my, to Houston. Now, the one thing I will say that OKC did a great job in showing like, hey, we want to take care of our players is they asked Russell Westbrook where he wanted to go play. And they worked with Houston to try to get a trade to them. So I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of a mix of both, but it's not necessarily him doing like, hey, 
I want to make, I want to be a mercenary and go for the best shot. It's, Hey, me and you both have this agreement. That agreement's changed. Now let's try to figure out something that works out for the best. Yeah. I'd say Westbrook's a bad example. Are you saying it was a mutual breakup? Yeah, I think it was what, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you break up with your spot, you break up with your ex and you don't really have bad things to say about them afterwards. So what's the evolution of the athlete? Where are we going with it? I think Kawhi is the evolution of the athlete. He's on like short. <laughs> I know it still hurts. It does. Um, I think he's very, he dictated how everyone else moved in the NBA. He was the one that said, hey, teams, you come to me and tell me what you can give me. <laughs> I mean, this is a dude who won a championship with a team, and he could have run it like, back with the like exact same team. Won a championship? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this. Gerard King won a championship with the Spurs. He rode the bench the whole time. <laughs> I kind of want to okay. right. I'm, I'm very opinionated about my sports superstars. I've, I've got a question for you, Hondo, then. If that's the evolution of the, the, the new athlete, um, I, I think you're right. I think it's definitely trending in that way. Um, even with um, really emo- emotional guys like Kevin Durant, I mean, you kind of see that with his response to uh, just, I guess, the backlash of joining in a team like the Warriors. Um, re- respond responding to, um, I guess the the public in kind of a way that I don't know isn't necessary, but is interesting. Um, like the LeBron letter, like my next chapter is. Yeah. Yeah. Just stuff like that. I I think it may be done with. I don't think there's going to be, I mean, you see what Kawhi did. It was a pretty, pretty easy break, a pretty easy split from the the city of Toronto. It wasn't a Jersey burning break from the city of Toronto. But he he also gave them what they wanted, right? Like he gave them a championship. Yeah. Like you're not going to hate that dude for anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. I get that aspect of it. I mean, it could have gone another way. I don't know. Even if they didn't win, if they got to the finals, I don't, I, I think it would still be the same break. If he decided to go somewhere else, they tried it. They didn't get there, but they got close. That's enough. Um, but that's where, like, I think to your point, though, like he still got them to somewhere they had never been before. Whereas if you go back to LeBron back when he, he did the, the decision, he did that in so many wrong ways. Because, number one, he never won them a championship before he left. And then, number two, he kept them in the dark about what his plans were. And so everybody was caught off guard when he first made his announcement. Kawhi was very upfront with everybody in the sense that he's saying, hey, I'm going to choose between one of these three places. And right now there's no winner. Whereas from what I've, I remember back when he was uh, LeBron was talking with Dan Gilbert, a lot of his crew was telling them like, hey, we're probably going to stay in Cleveland. We just want to get catered and see what everyone else has to show us. And then he ended up signing with Miami without telling Dan Gilbert and them first. Like, so that's where that's where I kind of feel like it's a big difference was he was upfront and transparent. And I mean, if I just led you to somewhere you've never been before and I'm being upfront with you saying, hey, I wanted to go here in the first place. Like Kawhi didn't choose to go to Toronto. He was traded there. He didn't say, this is my town. I'm going to stay here. He said, hey, I'm here for a year. I'm going to try to do the best that I can. So as a city, you can't really hate on that. Well, I think, I mean, all those things are are incredibly valid differences between something like LeBron's decision and just what happened with uh, with Toronto and Kawhi. But the, the, the question I pose to you is we're talking about stuff like uh, Russell Westbrook's relationship with OKC and just any kind of person's relationship or any kind of star athlete's relationship with the city that they're, they're playing for. Um, if it's a positive one, could you ever see Kawhi doing something for 
a city in some state of disarray the way that other players have? Because I, 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 I can't. I mean, I, I would argue and say I think Kawhi just did, right? He just took a championship team, and they're going to essentially blow that team up for lottery picks now because their shots at winning the East are gone now that he left and Danny Green are gone. I mean, they're they're left with uh, who is it? Kyle Lowry, who's 35, Pascal Siakam, and that Van Fleet dude. And Van Fleet and Siakam are both in their like early 20s. Marcus All is ancient. Uh, Kyle Lowry's not going to be there for too much longer. So without Kawhi and without Danny Green, like you pretty much are forced to push the reset button, kind of like the way OK City did once Paul George left. You know what I mean? So, so it, I so would argue to point he just did it, but he was not hated for it. Well, I would say that in the spirit of the show, it, time really is a flat circle because then we're going back to it's not about the city. You can't use Kawhi as your avatar if you're from LA. You can't put the identity of the city that you're in on players anymore because they're just going to go somewhere else when it, it suits them. So we, we, we are kind of losing out on the whole, my team, my city, uh, outside of basketball. Does anybody here play fantasy sports like Quidditch? (laughs) (laughs) Are you talking about like a, like a card game, maybe Hondo? Like a a gathering of sorts. You know what I mean? Like a, like a magical gathering, a magical gathering of (laughs) (laughs) magic. Please sponsor us. That would be awesome. West coast sports. That would be amazing. I can get free magic cards. I would love you all. If I could do that. No, no, what I'm saying is like people that play a lot of fantasy football, like if you notice, especially with football more so than anything, you don't really have a team anymore. You have players, right? So I, I think you're seeing that with a lot of the players that are constantly on the move, you stop having such a strong tie to this team so much so, so much as the player themselves. So it doesn't matter that Kawhi went to San Antonio, then to Toronto, and then to LA. All that matters is like, I'm just going to watch my favorite player play. Has that been the case? I guess before in team sports, I think LeBron started it right. Like you're you're no longer you're no longer a Cleveland fan. You're a, a LeBron fan, and you went him like if you were a true LeBron fan, you didn't burn the Cleveland jersey. You went and bought the Heat jersey, and then then after the Heat jersey, you went and bought the Cleveland jersey. Then after that, you went and bought the Laker jersey. No, no, you took your burnt Cleveland jersey and you put it back on. <laughs> there are so, pictures uh, of a guy who did that like at a baseball game are we are we in the realm of standship now like you can be a lebron stand the same way that you can be a kobe stand because uh, that i think that might have been really where it started uh i i would he was just he was just a lifelong laker I would argue that Kobe, you could be a Kobe fan without being a Laker fan. Because that, so Alec said that a lot. Like he was, he doesn't care about the Lakers, but he liked to see Kobe do well. And I think a lot of that comes from uh, soccer culture as well. Like you care about the superstar and you'll follow them where they go, but not so much the team as a whole. Yeah. Well, and and that's because they're always getting leased out to other teams too. And that's where I would argue maybe it, maybe it's a good thing, right? That players are moving around so much because markets that typically don't, well, outside of this specific year, but like markets that typically don't have good players are constantly on the move so much that you're going to end up having a player you enjoy play for a market that's not your typical LA or New York markets. You know, Zion's a perfect example of that. Yeah, he got drafted there, but everyone's excited for New Orleans this year because instead of having Anthony Davis, who didn't want to be there, you have 
of a young up and coming talent, lots of potential. He's already the talk of the NBA and he's going to be playing for New Orleans. So you guess, guess who's going to be selling a lot of jerseys and selling a lot of tickets? New Orleans. You know what I mean? So I think it's, I think it's the power is definitely in the players' hands, but I don't think the the shifting has as much of an impact as it used to because player like it's not just one player doing it the way that LeBron did. Now everybody's moving around, so it's kind of a more of a universal norm. So can you here's here's my thing that like my hate level is so high that I don't think there's a player who could leave the Spurs that I would still root for. Like even Tony Parker, I was like, nah, fuck you, man, you're dead to me. Tim Duncan came out of retirement to play for the Clippers to win one more championship. Would you he cheer wouldn't for him? do that. He would not do that. <laughs> but would you cheer for him? He has too many businesses in San Antonio to do that. Like he knows what would happen. But would you cheer for him? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I think I'd still cheer for him. <laughs> if I had to choose between cheering for him or Lamarcus Aldridge, I'm choosing. I'm going to be a Clippers fan for a year. I, I think I'd do the same. Just a shaking his head. I don't think he'd do the same. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't have an answer for it, though. Nope. <laughs> I hope he is injured. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, it does kind of take us into a weird realm um, of what players playing a game mean to us. It's kind of weird. Just how much stock how much stock you can put into it. I, I would say this is like a, whatever kind of perturbedness you have about like the, the situation as it stands or like the trajectory that you can, we've kind of un- uncovered in this conversation. I'd say like anything else um, it's a pendulum, right? Like it's, it's going to swing wildly in this direction for a while. And then um, there's going to come a, a new batch of, of people that, Maybe they they saw LeBron. I'm not sorry, not LeBron. They saw Kobe, Tim Duncan, and all these guys um, growing up, or started hearing stories about them. The myths are going to get bigger because uh, we tend to exaggerate things. The further they, they get, they're going to be like, you know what? I want to be that guy. I want to I want to plant my my roots down, and I want to be that. Uh, like I I feel like there's more greatness in like becoming. Uh, in Avatar for the City than there is to rack up championships and, and money um, with with 20, 15 teams that I end up going to in my career, right? Like, a, it'll, it'll swing back and then it, it'll swing back again. And that's time is a flat circle. <laughs> uh, how far are we away from using that same kind of mentality um, or maybe we already are using that same kind of uh, projectionism onto our country and the avatar of a country being someone like Donald Trump uh, versus uh, the avatar of another country being their head of state. Like how far away from me are, how far away from president Camacho are we? (laughs) I'd say give it to like maybe 2024 <laughs> so not that far and then and then it'll start swinging back like uh, and I don't know that that pendulum really swings that much uh, I think eh, people are freaking out but when you actually look at like the things that Trump has done not like what he's tweeted but what he's done um, I mean I, I don't know that there would have been that much different things happen if there was a 
a very, very statesmanlike Mitt Romney in office. You know, it's just personalities with what people voted for at the time. Do you think these last few years would have been exactly the same, just with a lot less tweet storms? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So a lot more boring. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and I will say this, like if we're like trying to link back to like the conversation we just finished having, I do think that there was something to be said about like Obama and Trump. I mean, they're both two sides of what I would consider the same coin in terms of like there, there, there was a certain celebrity status that came with both of their brands um, that was almost bigger than the policies and the politics that they brought to the table. Right. Like, like you, you ask people like policy by policy, would you do this? Would you do this? Would you do this? And odds are um, for like a, a Democrat, eight years ago, they probably wouldn't have been cool with like droning civilians and all that stuff. So you, you ask them all those things. Uh, they wouldn't agree with the president that they cheer for and root for because there's a celebrity that comes with them and they're more into the celebrity than they are into in the, the policymaker. And I, I'd say the same uh, for Trump. Like you, you ask people at a really granular level, like, are you cool locking up migrant kids are you cool doing this are you cool doing that uh, there's going to be a whole lot of no's but then you ask those same people hey would you vote for trump in 2020 and you you'll get some hell yes uh it, it doesn't make sense until you realize that they, they they've divorced the two uh they're they're rooting this identity politics it's yeah 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 they're they're rooting for the celebrity they're not rooting for the the policymaker. I defused the bomb while you were monologuing. Like, okay. <laughs> who would you say is the last president that wasn't a celebrity? I think it'd be uh, Hoover, probably, right? I'd say Jimmy Carter. George Washington. <laughs> he was probably the biggest celebrity. <laughs> no, no, he was a... Uh, His head is literally carved into a rock, Adrian. It wasn't carved into a rock when he was alive. You say Hoover, Honda? Yeah, George Hoover, Walker Bush. Oh, Herbert. Herbert. Hoover. H.W. H.W. The last president that wasn't a celebrity. Uh, I mean, I think it's Ronald Reagan, guys, right? (laughs) (laughs) Telling you, George Washington. Or did we never have have that? But they were at least linked with like, hey, this, this person actually has good ideas. No, everybody knew Washington. He led the fucking revolution. Well, I mean, but he also was a good leader. So they're like, this guy has good ideas. He's a war hero. What you got against war heroes, Andre? Everything. I'm going to yeah. pick the really random one here and go William Henry Harrison. Yeah, I don't know who that is. That wins. And he, he's such a non-celebrity. No one even knows he was president. <laughs> Andre, you're, you're the only one who hasn't monologued yet. I, I say for the next six minutes, you give us the world's best Best fucking monologue. I mean, that's a that's a pretty tall order there. Just talk about your talk about your Twin Peaks uh, endeavor earlier today. Is, is the best monologue no monologue? Okay, Andre, what I need you to do right now because we have completely um, missed this segment uh, in our hearts and in our minds. Um, I need you to come up with the top players in the NBA and what roles they would play in Fast and the Furious. 
So who's Dom? And who's Brian? And who's Letty? Man, that is a, that's a tough question. So I'm going to go with, uh, see, but see, nobody has like a brother in the NBA. Westbrook and Harden, man. No, they're both bitches. <laughs> Westbrook and Harden are the fucking Latino American guys who were just talking in Spanish the whole time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. I, well, I want to do, uh, no, they're the villain. I want to do LeBron and someone, but like, I don't know if D Wade counts. I would say that counts. Yeah. I mean, he's retired. Being retired is just like being dead. <laughs> D Wade is, uh, is definitely Brian because like everybody likes him no matter what he fucking did to your team. You're just like, ah, he's a cool guy. Don't worry about it. I like that. So who's Letty? That's definitely Steph Curry. <laughs> he's a beautiful man. Because like no matter no matter how good he is, he's always just like Dominic's bitch. I, I think you could also say that both Letty and Steph could be considered handsome. Yeah, one hundred percent. They both have really huge dicks too. How has that never come up? Like you think people see Michelle Rodriguez uh, like meet her and just talk about that role. I don't, I think there's only been like five people that have seen it. And, and four of those are talking right, right now. Hold on. What's really bothering me is that like, who is Han? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we almost went an hour. Who's the guy who can go anywhere? Like everybody loves him. Is it, I want to say D Rose, but like he's say with the same team. No, it's Danny green, man. Everyone loves Danny green. Is it? Is it like a Danny Green, Paul George combo? No, I, I feel like a lot of people hated on Paul George for a while for fucking Hibbert's wife and ruining his career. <laughs> Dr. Hibbert. <laughs> now I'd say Danny Green because he's the, also like never like the, the main attraction, but he's part of the cast because he's one champion. He's a key cog in, a so champion, in two championship teams, but he's not like the character by any means. If Danny Green is Han, does that make Kawhi uh, Jason Statham who kills Han? That fits. Who's your Roman? Draymond Green, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's perfect, actually. I didn't even think of that. And then The Rock is just like every foreign big man who could throw a punch. Now nah, The Rock is The Rock is Charles Barkley. No way, dude. No, I, I refuse to accept that. So here's the thing: like, if we did in the '90s, it's a lot of, like we did Space Jam Crew. It's a lot easier because The Rock is definitely Patrick Ewing. No, no, the the rock uh, in modern day is definitely Zion. That that's Zion. He's like the new guy. He's gonna en- end up owning the franchise. Hey, wait! You said uh, Vin Diesel was who? LeBron. LeBron, yeah. Uh, actually, then um, the rock would probably be uh, what's his face, uh, Anthony Davis, right? No, it'd be it'd be Zion. That'd be Zion. Because Dom is is gonna slowly fade away. And then The Rock is, is going to be the main attraction for the, the Fast and Furious. D-Rose is definitely Gal Gadot, though, because like, his knee gave out and they had to cut him from the franchise early. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into this season. I think it's going to be a, a soap opera of massive proportions. Oh, well, they're calling so it the, like, the duo season because like, everybody has two players. Batman and Robin's everywhere. 
It sounds like a setup for an anime, so I'm into it. Dragon Ball Z on steroids. Everyone, yeah, I think uh, it'd be nice to see a, a a Game of Zones kind of adaptation, but in an anime style with the upcoming NBA season. Did you say Game of Zones? Wait, have you not seen those? No. So Bleacher, yeah, Bleacher Report does like NBA playoff animations with Game of Thrones. All right, y'all. Well, it was a fun foray back into a lot of bullshit that means nothing to anyone. <laughs> I was going to say loosely tied to uh, uh, archetypes, I guess. And we, we talked about flat circles uh, at least two times. I heard you mention the phrase flat circle twice. <laughs> two shout outs. It's a record. We're back into it. Little rusty. Well, it's been fun. This has been Flat Circle from the Gaysless Podcast Network. Remember to be yourself just like everyone else. And we'll catch you next time. Kobe. <laughs>